man, how many have been here the last few weeks? The last few weeks, how many know that they have been, we've had some special services the last few weeks. We really have. Uh, it seems like there has been what I would say a special grace upon us during the last few weeks. And, and it's been like a, a special grace of God's presence in the building. And if you've been here, you know what I'm talking about. So like throughout worship, and then of course it lends itself to the message and, and, and how it impacts people. And, and so it's not to say that all the times we come together aren't special, right, Katrina? All the times we get to come together, Katrina, very, very special. Anybody, yeah, anybody tracking with what I'm saying? All special, right? It's all, every time I get to see you, John, it's special. Doreen? Always special. I caught a, I caught a, just, just on a side note, I caught a skunk uh, in, a, in a cage, uh, like a, it's called a have a heart live trap. I want to release it into the wild away from my house. Uh, and so I have something to do after service today that Doreen thinks I'm going to be missing service next week because of the smell. So we'll see how it works out. I'm sure it'll be fine. I watched a YouTube video. It'll be all right. <laughs> it'll be a good time. Oh, listen, I love it when we come together. Even my wife's like, this is not a good idea. This is not. No, uh, I love it when we come together. It's always a special time. But these last few weeks, there's just been, man, God has been working and moving. Amen. I want God to move and work in our services. I want God to, to move and work in our worship. Amen. In our praise and our worship. How many are awake this morning? We don't need to do calisthenics this morning, right? Wake up and do exercises, do all that stuff. No, listen. It seems like there are seasons when we as a church and as a people, we lean into the Spirit of God more. I love it when we do that. It seems we lean into His presence more and therefore we pull or draw on the anointing of God. We pull and draw on the presence of God. How many know that God is omnipresent, right? God is omnipresent. He is always around us. The Bible tells us there is nowhere we can go that he is not there. It says this in Psalm 139. Next slide there, Mike. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the mountains, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. Amen? Amen. Let's pray this morning. Lord, I thank you for the message this morning. I thank you for this message of what it means to be called by you. What it means to be called by God. Lord, I pray that those who are here as well as those who are watching online Lord, that this would be a message that they have impact in their lives. Lord, that it wouldn't be my words that are spoken, but they would be your words. Not my thoughts, but your thoughts. Lord, we thank you and praise you for, your, again, your grace and your mercy in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The message this morning is, is titled, Called by God. How many feel called by God? Anybody this morning? Come on. If you feel called by God, 
I like when we talk about the presence of God and God's presence is near us always. David had an understanding of God's presence, didn't he? David had an understanding of his presence and his position. There's two different things. Will, how's it going? He raised his hand like he had a question. And he gave me a thumbs up, so that's good too. So what is the position of God? Anybody? He's everywhere, right? The presence of God is everywhere. The position of God, it's all around us. How many know it's a comfort to know he's always near? Right? We're going through stuff. It's always a comfort to know he's always near. But how many know that sometimes you can be very close to somebody positionally, but then very far away from them relationally? Right? Now, let me get some volunteers this morning. By volunteers, people I pick out at random. Steve and Suzanne, you guys are so lovely. Will you come up? Will you make your way up here? Everybody give Steve and Suzanne a high five or a, or a clap or a, not a high five. What am I saying? Suzanne's like, I, you didn't tell me about this, Pastor David. Okay, Steve and Suzanne, how long have you guys been married? 20 years. How many kids do you have? 28 years. I'm sorry. What did I say? 20? Wow, you guys are young. How many kids do you have? Six kids, five great ones. Right? There's Jonathan is back there like, which one? Which one? Which one? No, I'm just kidding. All great kids, right? <laughs> you guys have been married for 28 years. When's 29? When's your anniversary? So it's last just a little while. Wait, coming up here, right? Yeah, next week. What am I thinking? Today's July. It was last month. Happy anniversary. I think I already told them this anyway. This is, all right, come over this way, guys. We're going to get in camera range here. All right, so everybody wants to be able to see your lovely faces. So how many know that throughout marriage and relationships, if you've been married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you've been in a relationship, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You can be very close to each other positionally. How many know they are very close to each other positionally? Right? Now they're really close positionally. Okay, but sometimes, excuse me, something can come in and separate them, right? Now, they're still kind of close positionally, but how many know that it, sometimes, and I'm, I'm not saying all the time, but sometimes you want relationship with somebody, but they don't want relationship with you. How many know that's true? I wasn't going to share this, but I had a little, there's a, when I was 10 years old, I had, there was a little girl that I, uh, there was a 10 year old, I was 10 years old and, and all the kids were playing soccer on the field there, John. And I hated playing soccer. So I went to the swing set. So I'm on the swing set. How many remember a song by DC talk called time is like time is ticking. All right. Okay. So we used to sing that song all the time. If you don't know it, that's okay. But I go, time is ticking away, tick, tick, ticking away, tick, ticking. All right. That's what it was. So I'm sitting there on the swings and I'm singing this. And all of a sudden I notice this girl starts swinging in sync with me and she starts she goes i like that song too and i went oh i'm gonna marry this girl right now it was not my wife by the way <laughs> i liked her i had a crush on her i had many crushes that give me plenty of material to share with you guys later on 
uh, really embarrassing stuff. It's fine. But I had a crush on her. I wanted to be in a relationship with her. I did not understand at the time that she did not want to be in a relationship with me. Now, when you're 10 years old and someone tells you they don't want to be in a relationship with you and you want to be in a relationship with them, what do you do? You don't leave them alone. No, you pick on them. Right? You pick on them. What are you doing? She went to go get a drink of water at the drinking fountain. I thought it would be charming to go and, and tap her until she chipped her tooth. And her father called my parents. And now I was forbidden from being near her. <laughs> I was like, what? I, listen, I wanted to be in relationship with her. Ten years old. Woo! I met her. She didn't want to be in a relationship with me. How many know that sometimes you can be close to each other? You can be on the swing set together, swinging together in sync, liking the same stinking DC talk song. Thought it was kismet, but it was not. I wanted to be in a relationship. She did not. How many know there's times where we want to be in a relationship with someone, but they don't want to be in a relationship with us. And there's also times where God wants to be in a relationship with us, and we don't want to be in a relationship with him. So positionally, we might be close, but how many know, Steve, you've been married 28 years now. How many know there's sometimes that you're very, might, might be very affectionate, or Suzanne might be very affectionate, and Steve wants to watch a movie or read a book, right? Steve's like, I don't know about this, Pastor David. This isn't a good analogy. Let's not keep going with this. There can be times, listen, how many know there's times where we want to be close together in intimacy, right? In relationship. Now, Steve, you come over here. Suzanne's right there, right? Give her a, give her a, a look of love. I got to see this. I was faced the wrong way. Do it, go ahead and do it again. Oh, okay. Hallelujah. And Suzanne, if, if you, maybe you want to also respond with a look of love. Oh, that's beautiful. It's beautiful. And so you start to draw close to each other positionally for intimacy, right? But something gets in your way. How many know sometimes stuff gets in the way? Right? Who, who am I? What, what, what is this that gets in the way? Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's career. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's anger. All of the things that can, that can get in the way of relationship. Whereas you see each other. One of you wants relationship with each other. The other one wants relationship, but there's something that stops it. The great thing is this. Do you know what Jesus did? Jesus came and covered us with his blood to take away anything that stops relationship. And so now they can come together in intimacy. Give her a big old hug. That's good. Now they can come together in intimacy, and now we are both positionally together and relationally together. Amen? Give Stephen Suzanne a hand. Get, let, him, let him go back, sit down. 
sometimes we can be connected to somebody positionally, but we can be far away from them in intimacy. I can't tell you, and we just, you know, we had fun with Steve and Suzanne. I can't tell you how many couples I, I minister to who are close to each other. They're in the same room positionally, but are far away from each other emotionally. One person just wants, doesn't want to talk to the other person. It's when someone is near, right, Steve, when we are drawn near to them and they are drawn to us that that connection and that intimacy occurs. Amen? We want intimacy with God, right? We want relationship with God. We want to not just be positionally because God is everywhere. And so wherever we are, God is there. So we can be in the same room and not have relationship. We can be in the same room and not have intimacy. But I believe this morning that God is calling us to something more. And I want to make sure you understand, God always wants to be in relationship with you. Isn't that good to know? 1 John 4, 9 through 10 says this. Go to the next slide. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Whatever it was that was getting in the way of relationship between us and God, and by the way, it was sin. Jesus Christ covered. He paid the debt, amen? This isn't deep theological thinking. This is the basics of our faith, amen? Jesus Christ covered our debt, hallelujah? It's clear God wants to be in relationship with, with us. There should be, listen, there should be a general understanding of God. He loves us and wants to be near us. That should be a general understanding of God. But how many know just because one party wants to be in a relationship doesn't mean the other party has to respond in kind? The invitation of God. The invitation of God is there for you. The invitation of God for you to be in a relationship, listen, it's only, only fulfilled when you respond to it. There is a... It's always kind of been around. It's been referred to as Gnosticism, and I'll get into Universalism. Uh, there's a pastor in the 90s, really big pastor, that uh, big, large, large church in the South, that he started, he started preaching that when Christ died on the cross, it didn't matter whether or not we accepted him. It didn't matter whether or not we came to a place of repentance and forgiveness, regardless of whether or not we accept Jesus, he paid for our sins. And it's true that he paid for the sins of all, right? That's what he did on the cross. And he gave us the invitation to respond to his gift. But this pastor started preaching a heresy in saying that everybody, regardless of whether or not they ever accept Jesus, they could be uh, into Buddhism, Muslim, Allah, all the different stuff. Regardless of whether or not they accept Jesus, they're, 
already taken care of, so there's no need to respond to Christ. That's heresy. That's heretical. That's not true. We clearly are drawn to Christ, and we clearly have to respond to the invitation. The invitation of God is only fulfilled when we respond to it. So let's take this now a step further. Because each Sunday morning and throughout the week, I believe God is inviting you to spend time with him. Is inviting you into intimacy and relationship with him. The draw and the pull on the anointing is when we respond to his invitation. Amen? How many, how many love it when we enter into worship? I do. When we enter into worship, we let, listen, we let distractions, we let uh, worries slip away. We, we, we put our focus on him. So this morning when I said, let's, let's worship again, it's, it's let our, let's put our focus on him. Let's get rid of the distractions in our lives. We show him that we are hungry for his presence. We put our focus on him. We're not on our phones. We're not messing with this or messing with that. We're focused solely on, Lord, I want to be connected to you. God, I want to be connected to you. We show that we are hungry for him. And it's not because of what he can give us, but just because of who he is. Because he is our creator and our king. So we come not because of what he can give us, but we come just because of who he is. And when we do that, he responds with affection by pouring out gifts to us. Amen. He pours out mercy and grace and healing and refreshing. And so when we engage in worship, we engage with the presence of God. God engages with us. This morning, I want to examine and analyze two aspects of our faith that are vital. One is this, it is the call of God. And the second is our response to the call of God. The initial call of God is what? Anybody? Anybody? Bueller? No? The initial call of God is to salvation. The initial call of God is to salvation. There's, it's the Spirit of the Lord pointing to Christ. That's his job. The job of the Holy Spirit is always to point towards Christ. It's to glorify Jesus. It's not to bring glory to himself. It's always to glorify Jesus. The Holy Spirit always glorifies Jesus, always. Amen? You got that? He isn't leading people towards Buddha. He isn't leading people towards Muhammad. He isn't leading people towards Islam. He's, he isn't he isn't glorifying a false Jesus in Mormonism. He isn't doing any of those things. He is leading us towards the truth of Jesus as found in the Holy Bible. Amen? That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's his job. Who in the beginning was the Word, right? Jesus was, the, was in the beginning, was the Word, born of a virgin, died on a cross, resurrected three days, sits at the right hand of the Father, right? Someday he's going to come on a white horse in a cloud of glory to come and rule and reign and overcome the enemy. Amen? The initial call is the call to accept the gift of salvation. How I many know sometimes it comes gently? 
Sometimes it comes gently. I like, I, that's okay. Sometimes it comes violently. Sometimes it comes gently. Just a whisper. Mark, I love you. I have a gift for you. Let me rule and reign in your life. Let me take care of those issues for you. Let my presence be upon you. It's soft, it's sweet, it's gentle. Some of us need a, are a little bit more thick-headed. We need a little bit more of a shaking. We need a little bit more of a, of a violent encounter with God. Paul, a guy named Saul, actually, was on his road to a place called Damascus, and he's going to persecute Christians. And so in a violent and dramatic way, God grabs a hold of Saul. In a violent, dramatic way, God will grab a hold of you if need be. My pastor that, was, that I had growing up, I remember him talking about being high on PCP and walking into a church building. And as he is high, he's, he's seen all of these hallucinations and, and, and what happens when you're high on these drugs. And he said he fell down in this church service or fell down in this church building and prayed, God, help me. And he immediately became sober. He immediately became sober in his mind and gave himself to the Lord. He said it wasn't, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't, it wasn't easy. I had to go through some stuff to get there. But God grabbed a hold of me and never let go. Amen? Sometimes it's a nice, gentle breeze, and sometimes it's loud and dramatic. Once we respond to the initial call, how many, how many, how many listen, we're here this morning, we're, can we just have a, can we just talk honestly? I mean, I know a lot of times when you talk about me speaking and you listening, it's, it's a one-sided conversation, right? There might be somebody here this morning. You say, Pastor David, I've never, I've never responded to that initial call. I've never responded to that initial call of the Lord saying, I love you. I have a gift of salvation for you. I died on the cross for you. So there might be some people here this morning that have never accepted the initial call. There might be some people listening online that have never accepted the initial call. But I want to encourage you this morning, one of the most important, the most important thing you can do for the eternity of your soul is to answer the initial call and invitation of God in accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the initial call that we have. Amen? I want you, everyone to close your eyes for a minute. I know this is middle of the service. We don't normally do it this way, but, but I'm okay with doing this. If you'd say, Pastor David, I've never accepted that initial call. I mean, initially, I've never... 
I've never prayed ever for Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. If that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand? If not, that's okay. If there's nobody, if everybody here is on good terms with God, that's amazing. But if anybody is here and would like to pray with me this morning, you can raise your hand right now. Good. Everybody can look up. This is a good thing. I mean, I love it when there's new people come in. You don't know and you're not always aware, but everyone here seems to be in right relationship with God. Amen? Amen? Okay, now, so now we get into the second part of it. And this is what the message is about this morning. We, we first have the initial call, and then we get into the secondary call. And so when we say God has called me to something, or God has a call on my life, this is most of the time what we're talking about. Let me tell you, if you're listening, if you're here, God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for you. He has a call for you. He has a purpose for you. Listen, he has given you gifts that he has given nobody else. Isn't that awesome? God has gifted me in ways that he hasn't gifted you, and he's gifted you in ways that he hasn't gifted me. God has given us gifts, and he wants us to use those gifts for his purpose and for his glory, and he wants to use us in powerful ways. Amen? So Jenny has a gift to lead praise and worship. Austin has a gift to play drums. Tim has a gift to play drums. Katrina has a gift to sing and play guitar. There's other band members here. I don't know where they're at. Austin, uh, Bryce, where you at, man? No, taking care of the baby. He has a gift to take care of babies. They have a gift that God has placed in them, and so they are using their gifts for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. What has God gifted you with? How is God using the gift that you have to minister to the world? The initial gift is the gift of salvation. The initial call is the call of salvation. But the secondary call is where I want to focus this morning. It's where I want to really drive the issue home. How do we respond when God calls us into action? How do we respond when God has a mission for us? I want to turn to one of my favorite passages in the Bible. One of my absolute favorite passages is found in Isaiah chapter 6. Verses 1 through 4, it says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, or high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphim. Seraphim are angels. Each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. And with two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, I love this, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Amen? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is Full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook. I love that. They shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Holy, holy, holy. Is my is my microphone going in and out here? 
Does it sound okay? It sounds weird. That's all right. Isaiah is given a vision of heaven. So he's not. He's given a vision. He has a vision of heaven. He sees the creator in glory. How awesome would this be? We have a vision of God and we see the creator in glory. He encounters the presence of God. And when he does, when he encounters the presence of God, he responds with incredible humility and honor. He responds in this way, verse 5. He says, woe is me. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. One commentary had to make it very clear that this was a spiritual transaction only. He said that because he feared maybe some people would go home and start a fire and take a live coal and maybe touch it to their lips. And so because he didn't want to be held liable for that, he said, this is just a spiritual transaction. You understand me? He takes the live coal. The angel grabs the tongs. He takes the live coal and he touches it to the lips of Isaiah. Isaiah is cleansed by the fire of God. Well, how many know we are cleansed by the blood of the Lamb? Amen? Isaiah is cleansed in the Old Testament by the fire of God. In the New Testament, we are cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. But I don't want you to miss the impact of the fire. What does fire do? Fire purifies, right? Fire refines. It, it burns up the impure and leaves the pure. How many ever watched uh, Gold Rush? You've seen when they're processing the gold, they have to get a, a pretty good heat going. They have to melt away the impurities. They have to get away the impurities so that they can have the pure, right, Doug? Because that's what fire does. It takes away the impure and it leaves the pure. How many know that we'll, while we are cleansed by the blood, sometimes we have to go through the fire, right? Come on. How many know we're cleansed by the blood, but sometimes we have to go through the fire and sometimes, most of the times, we go through the fire so that God can prepare us for a mission. Because God has a calling on your life. So earlier when I raised my hand, when, when I said, if you have a calling on your life, raise your hand. And only a, 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 a smattering of people raise their hands. So now when I say, when you, it, how many have a calling of God on their life? Every hand should go up. So let's test this out. How many have a calling of God on your life? John, you have a call of God in your life, right? You have a purpose. He has a plan for you, right? He's, he's positioned you and placed you where you're at, right? Will has a plan of God on his life. Come on. James does too. He's making some noise. It's okay. You have a plan and purpose for your life this morning. Don't think that you don't. Don't think that you're nothing. Don't think that, that people are just going to watch you walk by. You will have an impact on people's lives. 
And that impact is going to be either for Christ or for something else. But each one of you has a call. Mike, you have a call on your life. You have a plan and a purpose that God has placed upon you. And so sometimes before we can fulfill the call on our lives, that secondary call, we have to go through the fire so that God can refine us, so that God can purify us, so that God can take away some of the things that are holding us back. How many know what I'm talking about? Sometimes the seasons in our life that seem the hardest how many have been through some tough seasons in your life? I don't just mean 2020. I mean, you've been through tough seasons in your life, right? Listen to this. Sometimes the seasons in our life that seem the hardest are not just because the enemy is against us. He's always against us, right? Sometimes it's because God is preparing us for what he has planned for us. Are you hearing me this morning? Sometimes it's because God is preparing us for what he has planned for us. Sometimes you have to go through the fire so that you can be on fire. How many of you ever met somebody who's on fire? You never met somebody on fire? She's not here this morning, but have you ever seen Mary? All right, Mary, I love Mary. I talked to her a couple times here this last week. Mary's on fire for God, amen? Man, there's sometimes... There's sometimes, okay, Mary, whoo, God bless you. All right, come on, we know, right? But Mary's on fire for God. Everywhere she goes, she wants to tell people about the Lord. She's on fire for God. Us with just a little few embers burning go, what in the world's going on over there? Boy, they're sure excited about nothing. Why is it that those people are engaged in worship and praise and, man, they're lifting up their hands and lifting up their voices and they're engaged, but, but I don't feel anything. Some of us need to catch fire this morning. God lets us go through the fire so that we can catch fire and hopefully bring fire to those around us and, and let a fire go, amen? Because, listen, I'd rather have a little wildfire than no fire. Amen? We can't be in a church with no fire. A church with no fire is a church with no power. Might as well shut the doors at that point. We don't want to be in a powerless, fireless church. We want to be in a church where we welcome in the presence of God. Amen? That those who are here come, experience the presence of God, they get some fire in them, and they take it to their schools, and they take it to their jobs. Because the fire of God is what's going to change and refine and purify. I want the fire of God in my life. God wants people who are on fire for him. Amen? Isaiah experiences, experiences this fire. He experiences the fire of God. It touches his lips. It cleanses him. It atones for his sin. And what happens next is one of, one, of the, one of my favorite lines in almost all of Scripture. Chapter 6, verse 8. It says this, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? 
And I said, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. What's the mission? Doesn't matter. What's it going to cost? Doesn't matter. No, 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 wait, wait, I need the details. It doesn't matter. God called me and I'm going. But, 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 I need this, I need that. No, 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 it doesn't matter. I need financial support. I need this, I need this, I need this. And here we get into the heart of the issue. When God calls you, are you going to negotiate the details with God or are you going to respond with passion and zeal in your life? When God calls you to, not, yes, the initial call, but that secondary call, the plan and the purpose he has for you. For many people, listen, God isn't calling you to be a missionary in Africa. God isn't calling you to be a pastor of a church. God is calling you to have a ministry in the school system. God is calling you to have a ministry to fellow farmers in the community that God has placed you in. That's the call of God on people's lives. My dad worked for 40 plus years as a truck driver and crane operator. 40 plus years as a truck driver, crane operator. He said, this is, it's the mission field that God has placed me in. Listen, we come to church, and that's fine. And there's people who are called to church ministry, and I'm one that's called to church ministry, and that's great. But most of ministry does not happen here. Most of ministry happens outside these walls. It's by ministers like you and you and you. What has God called you to? Isaiah's response is the response we should all have. It doesn't, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Of course, God's speaking there, and we see, of course, the mark of the Trinity right there, who will go for us. And Isaiah responds, here am I, without details, without plans, without a checklist, here am I, send me. For me, I've always felt called to be a preacher. I remember when I felt the call to go to a Bible college. I was a high school dropout. I was working third shift at a gas station. And there's nothing wrong with working at a gas station. That's, that's a job, right? And so you minister to people while you're there, and that's what I did. Third shift at a gas station, I'm going, Lord, I know this is what you called me to do. I remember a, a friend had come back from Bible college and he was sharing his testimony about what God had worked in his life while he was there. And it what really wasn't about like God's glory and power. He was talking about like uh, cleaning toilets and cleaning baseboards with toothbrushes and stuff. And as I'm sitting here listening to him, I feel the call of God saying, you have to go there. I didn't know anything about the college. I didn't know anything about the church. I didn't know anything about the school. I didn't know anything about the leadership. All I heard was, God, you have to go there. 
I felt it. I remember how strong it was. I, I went to, so here's what I did. I was a high school dropout, like I said, so I, I, in secret, I found some local adult education classes I could go to to get my high school equivalency. I was only 19 years old or so, and, and, but I had to go outside of the school system to get it. When I got there, I took these tests and I did it in secret. My mom said, said to my dad, hey, David's leaving every Thursday. Something's going on. For five, six weeks now, there's almost uh, two to three months. David's leaving every Thursday. I think something's wrong. I don't know what she thought I was doing. My dad comes to me and says, you're leaving every Thursday. What's, what's going on? I said, don't worry about it. He said, no, no. I mean, we, you, you live in our house. We need to know what's going on. I said, dad, don't worry about it. Some people have asked, why didn't you tell them? Because I wasn't doing it for them. I was doing it for me. And so when I got done with it, I, I came to them and said, look, I, I got it. I, I, it's not a diploma, but it's close, right? I did it. Well, as I was doing it, I, decided, I was taking these tests, and I got done with the final test, and they tallied up the score. They said, David, this is weird. You're in the top 2% of the nation. You're going to college, right? And I said, that's the goal. That's the dream. So I go home, I have my equivalency, and I have, I send in my application to the college. I send it with recommendations and transcripts. And I remember the excitement of getting that letter in the mail saying, congratulations, you've been admitted to the class of 2001. Or 2003. And I remember with excitement bringing that letter to my parents and saying, look, I can fulfill the, God, the call of God in my life. And I didn't use those exact words, but it sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I said, look, I got this letter. I can go to college. And my parents said, we just don't have the money. See, I didn't have any money, but I thought my parents had money. I was wrong. They said, just wait. I understand you could go now, but just wait. If you just wait. I remember sitting in my living room on the couch and hearing the words, just wait. And feeling the fire of God boil up inside me. And I said, I will go and sleep in my car if I need to, but I am going as soon as I can. Didn't matter the cost. I will go and I will work. And I did. Because I had a call of God in my life. And I knew that I had to get there. And I knew that if I didn't, if I just put it off and put it off and put it off, eventually it'd be 30 years down the road and I put it off. I got to college and a friend of mine told me about his dad. His dad was also called to be a preacher. One of the saddest stories I've ever heard. His dad was called to be a preacher, but he had a great job at the tire shop, making money upon money upon money, selling tires. And so he kept saying, well, next year, I'll go to school next year. I'll do this next year. I'll answer the call next year. 25, 30 years down the road, it was always next year. And by then, what do you do? He said he gave up the call of God on his life. 
for a paycheck. I remember when I got the call to come here. I was living in Georgia. My boss sat me down and said, you're going to go to Esterville, Iowa? I said, yeah. I love Esterville. I do. He said, you're going to go to Esterville, Iowa? You realize you're, you're not going to make half of what you make here. I said, I don't care. I don't care. While I'm here, I've been ministering. I've been, I've been doing what God's, uh, where God has placed me. I've ministered to people, but, but there's a call in my life. I have to fulfill it. And so God called me here, and I get to be with you guys. And this is, this is now our family. It's our church family. We were looking at pictures this morning of our kids five years ago at, at the church picnic, and they used to be so cute. What has God called you to? Listen, what has God called you to? God called me to this, but what has God called you to do? Where has God placed you? Where has God positioned you to minister to your community, to minister in your job, in your schools, right? I believe that God calls us individually and then God calls us as a people. So what has God called this church to? What has God called the praise and worship team to? Listen, I, I get we're in a, you know, we've said it and we'll keep saying it. We're in a strange season right now, amen? It's just kind of weird. It's a weird thing, place to say amen. We're in a strange season. We just are. But that doesn't take away from the calling that God has in our life, right? That doesn't, that doesn't take away from the mission that God has for us. God called Isaiah to speak truth to the people. God called Paul to preach the gospel. God called Peter the rock even when he wasn't acting like one. You say, Pastor David, I'm not ready. Get ready. Amen? Come on, get ready. You say, I got a call of God on my life. Whatever it is, God, bring me through the fire, refine me, purify me, but get me ready to be an impact for those around me. I believe God is calling us this morning to great and powerful things in this community and beyond. I really do. So I have a question for you. Will you answer the call? Are you willing? Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah answered, here I am, send me. If you'll stand with me this morning, if Jenny, if you could come and play a little bit. Isaiah 6 and verse 8. Again, one of, my, one of my most favorite passages in all of Scripture. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Seated on the throne in the train of his robe filled the temple. I love when he talks about the seraphim. Hot coals. 
forças como chama santo who will go for us already answered the question if you've answered the initial call of God. That call to salvation, that call to relationship with Him. My prayer this morning is that you would answer the secondary call of God. That wherever God has placed you, whatever God has called you to, Katrina had a vision for the closet. So I just, I just I feel like God wants me to minister to this community in this way, right? So she brought it to us and said, let's do it. And so it ministers to people. What has God called you to do in your life? My response to this question, and I pray that your response would be this. Lord, here I am. Send me. Use me. I am willing. I am able. In your time and in your will for your service, send me. Use me. Let that fire burn in me and then let it be used for your glory. Amen. Lord, I pray over those who are here this morning. Lord, that they have a call on their lives. They've answered the initial call, but Lord, you have a mission for them. You have a ministry for them, maybe not in church ministry, but in their community and other jobs. Lord, I pray that they would be anointed for the mission that you've called them to do. That they would feel that fire burning within them. Lord, I pray that as people leave this building and go out and do the mission that God has called them to, it would cause revival to come show up in Esterville. Revival to come and show up in Superior, in Spirit Lake, in Spencer. Lord, let revival show up in Sherburne. Let revival show up in Dolliver and Groover. In your time, in your will, and in your service, Lord, use me. Lord, I pray over those who are here this morning. Lord, I pray that you would bless them and keep them. Lord, that you would cause your face to shine down upon them. And Lord, I pray that you would give them rest. Lord, I thank you and praise you for your grace and your mercy in our lives. Lord, purify us, refine us, revive us if we need it. Prepare us for what it is you've called us to. We thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.